You're listening to the Wise Spotlight series, where we're interviewing female trailblazers across various STEM fields. This is Crystal and Audit, your hosts for episode four, our penultimate episode. This episode features Anima Sable, an aerospace and software engineer, as well as a physicist and astronaut candidate who is currently working with NASA. Okay, we wanted to start with just, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, just like a quick introduction. Sure, sure. So my name is Anima Patel Sable. Um, I am an aerospace engineer, a software engineer, and a space studies human factors engineers. I, I have masters in all these three um, areas, so I have three masters degrees in aerospace engineering, software engineering, and uh, space studies human factors. I have a bachelor's in physics. I have been working at NASA's Johnson Space Center here. I'm managing the Orion Spacecraft Simulations Lab. Um, before that, I was in California for about 20 years. I worked at NASA Ames Research Center in Mountain View. I worked on the Kepler mission and um, in NASA's Intelligent Systems Division there. Um, before that, even before that, I started off my career after my uh, master's, my first master's in computer applications as a software engineer. And I came to the U.S. as a software consultant on H-1B visa in 2000. And so I worked in the software industry for about 14 years. Um, and then I decided to do a second master's in aerospace engineering because this has always been a passion since childhood. I have wanted to become an astronaut. But growing up, growing up in India at that time in the 80s, there were not many opportunities. Um, I, I thought I would become a fighter pilot in the Indian Air Force. Uh, but at that time, um, the Indian Air Force was not accepting women as fighter pilots. Just recently, they started doing that. So you can see, right, I did everything. I even did my bachelor's in physics so that I could apply to the Air Force, even though they were not going to accept women. I just thought, let me just give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Maybe they'll accept me. Maybe they'll make an exception. But that didn't work, uh, work out like that. And that is how I ended up doing a master's in computer applications and becoming a software engineer, coming to the U.S., while I was settling here, I was watching the space shuttles launch uh, regularly because we were building the space station at that time, right, in orbit. And then I found out about NASA Ames, which was closer to home, one hour from San Ramon. So I thought, let me do something now. Even though I was 30 years uh, old, <laughs> I had a three-year-old son. I decided to uh, just give it a shot. I didn't want to just keep thinking, what if I had tried, right? So I wanted to do something about it and then have the satisfaction that I at least tried, even though I might not, whether I become an astronaut or not, I just want to give it a shot and enjoy the journey. And that is how I did the second master's in aerospace engineering. And then I got to work for, at NASA Ames. I had to wait a long time to become a US citizen because you have to be a US citizen to work for NASA, right? So that was another long wait of three to four Years. Now, you guys won't understand all these challenges. Uh, it was really, I mean, test of my patience. I, I used to get frustrated at times. I have two master's degrees now. I have, have all this experience. Why am I not getting an opportunity? It was just because I was not a citizen. In my first interview call uh, on the Kepler mission, the hiring manager's first question was, are you a US citizen? I said, I'm not yet, but I'm going to become one in a month. Uh, and then he said, okay, then come on over for an interview. So I just had one interview with about a group of uh, about 12 people, engineers, managers, 
and scientists and they really liked my aerospace and software background and so i got hired right then and there so um, and then i wanted to always work in the human space flight program right um, because to become an astronaut being in the human space flight program brings you that closer um, to the astronaut um, to the place where astronauts train and live and that's here in houston but at that time my boys were really small and so we decided san ramon is the best place to raise them so i had to sac- make a sacrifice at that point also uh, i couldn't move here to houston at that time but now after my work on kepler mission was done um the intelligence systems division the projects there were over that's when i told my boys they were older now that please for my sake let's go let's move this is my, now or never for me <laughs> if i don't do this now i will just stay stuck here um so and that's how they they finally agreed and they're happy here now but we've moved here and it's been two years now i've been in this role at johnson space center um i enjoy working in this role what orion is what is orion spacecraft simulations lab let me tell you a little bit about that orion is the next spacecraft that we're going to take our astronauts to the moon and mars in okay so it's a capsule shaped um spacecraft i don't know if you guys have seen pictures of it um but yeah it's going to be fully automated and of course astronauts can take control of the spacecraft in case of emergency situations but otherwise it's going to be flying itself basically so to have that to have a fully automated spacecraft we don't want any issues right so we want to test out all abnormal situations what can go wrong right and that's what needs to be done with the flight software and um, that's the simulation i set up of the spacecraft so i set up a simulation um so the user community at nasa different groups of engineers um and uh, systems engineers can test out different scenarios introduce uh, errors and faults in the system uh, to see how how it copes with it and that's why i set up the simulation in my lab and all the nasa user community comes to the lab um to test to get that simulation and the flight software it is integrated with the power systems electrical power systems the life support systems right so we want to test out all the integrations as well and that's my role here but in addition to that i have been pursuing my interest in becoming an astronaut right i'm developing myself building skills so i got selected as a scientist astronaut candidate for a commercial suborbital space flight research project called project possum i trained for a week in hypoxia high gravity maneuvers zero gravity how do you handle yourself and after that training i have been participating in research missions so i put on space suits by a commercial um, company called final frontier design they've developed two of their space suits i've tested for them we've flown parabolas you know the shape of parabola right the upside down u so when you fly parabolas in an airplane you're pulling g's when you're climbing on the side of the parabola when you are at the top you you experience zero gravity so you're floating at that time then it dives down again so i've flown such 50 plus parabolas to test the performance of that suit i have experienced zero gravity that time but you need to be trained to be able to do that so that's one part i'm a student pilot i'm a scuba diver um and then i started sharing my journey with younger generation to give them the guidance i missed out on growing up um and i'm enjoying this journey <laughs> Uh, I've been a commander for two analog missions NASA's Hera mission here at Johnson Space Center and a Mars analog at a place called the Mars Desert Research Station in Utah and now I'm also a human subject this is a voluntary thing I do I'm a human test subject at NASA so 
for my full-time work, I'm an engineer at NASA. And on the side, while I'm pursuing my uh, work, I'm also pursuing my interest by developing skills on my own. It's not related to NASA, the scientist astronaut thing in the commander. So that's everything I've tried to put it in a nutshell. <laughs> but that's that's everything I've been doing so far. It's a lot, right? <laughs> it's it's been I've been working since 22, 24 years now. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um sounds like you have a really rich life and that you're really passionate about what you do. And um yeah. we can't wait to unpack that a little more as we move through the interview. But um, sure. first, would you mind if we backtrack a little bit and go into a bit more of your beginning and your educational journey? Um, mm -hmm. Great. So our first question is just, what do you think led you to develop an interest in STEM in general and also in like this huge uh broad variety that you're interested in such as software engineering um the aerospace and all those other fields you work in sure so see um how it all started was when i was a little girl in summers we used to sleep on terrace i don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of terrace on the top of your homes <laughs> it's an open flat area and summers are so hot, right? But in summer, we would sleep on the terrace and I would see the, uh, we could see the arm of the galaxy at that time, actually. The light pollution wasn't this bad and stars. And so I was always fascinated and I would wonder what is up there? Can we go up there? And then when I was about seven years, uh, we had a book exhibition at my school, St. Joseph's Convent School. Um, and in that, I saw pictures of astronauts laying on their back and launching into space. And that, told me I didn't understand a lot what uh, an astronaut I just understood this, how, what it takes to become an astronaut I didn't understand at that time but all I knew was they can travel up there they can travel to the stars so I said to myself I want to become an astronaut if anything I want to become it's this I want to be an astronaut then growing up in school in high school all my entire journey was focused towards this goal I was so passionate about it nothing else diverted me so even in school if we did not have a class for some reason or during even during recess i would be in the school library uh, looking at books and um, we had a magazine um, from soviet russia at that time it was soviet russia right and their space program was going way at that time also so there would be pictures of their astronauts stories about their lives pictures of the soyuz capsule and the launches so that really always kept me interested we did not have internet, we did not have Google. <laughs> so books were my only resource and I was really passionate about reading also. So that helped me, um, newspapers. But the only example I had in front of me in India was astronaut Rakesh Sharma. He was a fighter pilot in the Indian Air Force. He's the only Indian astronaut so far and he was launched through the Russian space program. So thinking about that, he is an astronaut. How did he become one? He became a fighter pilot first. And that's how I said to myself when I was in school that I should become like him. I should become a fighter pilot. Um, wow. And I was very active um, in cultural activities also, singing, dancing in school. I was a very quiet girl, but I was socially, I mean, in the cultural activities, I was really involved. Um, but um, when I, 
when it was time to decide what I want to do for my graduation, for my bachelor's degree, um, that's my dad's condition was, you have to study in this hometown. I'm not going to let you travel anywhere else. So with that restriction, then I thought, what can I do in my small hometown of Jalgaon? And bachelor's in physics or bachelor's in engineering was a requirement for Air Force. I had gotten the application. That's what I thought. So engineering was out of question because I couldn't go out of the town. So I decided to do a bachelor's in physics, and I loved physics. Even my final year physics project was based around astronomy. <laughs> So um, again, with the limited resources and books in our library, I put together that project. But yeah, while I was doing my bachelor's, I wanted to build myself, to develop myself, make myself physically fit. Right? Um, if I want to join the Air Force, I have to be physically fit. So I joined a, something called the National Cadet Corps. It's a division of the Army for students uh, in college. Like we have Boy Scouts here, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's slightly different than Boy Scouts. I don't know if you guys know about Civil Air Patrol. That is a division of the Air Force for um, students in colleges and um, schools. So I joined something like that. Um, it was an Army division. I wish it was Air Force division. I could get to fly, <laughs> but for that I would have to travel out of town. So I was happy with being in the NCC, the National Cadet Corps. I would wake up at five o'clock in the mornings, go for a run. Okay. I would run for miles and then when I would come back, uh, freshen up, my dad had coaching classes. So um, he saw my interest and he asked me and I started teaching in his coaching classes. For students from 5th to um, high school, I would teach them science, English, math. And then I would go to my college. I would attend my lectures. I would attend the NCC events, the drills the, that we had to do with the uniform and stuff. Come back, uh, teach a few more batches of uh, students and then do my own homeworks and studies. So I had a very busy uh, routine at that time also. And I think that, that taught me how to juggle multiple things, right? And give my best to all of it. I would never want to compromise on anything. So that has stayed with me. Um, I, I do so many things like you see. So that experience has taught me a lot. So um, then after the bachelor's was done, I passed out with a distinction. I, I don't know what they call distinction here, but I got the Air Force application. I couldn't apply uh, because the first criteria was you have to be a male. Mm -hmm. I decided to ignore that and still apply. The second criteria was you need to have a perfect 2020 vision. At that time, I had a slight myopia. I was short-sighted. So it was like I had all my school and college career, I had focused on this goal and now I couldn't apply. Imagine the disappointment. That was the first time I experienced what disappointment is and it was like everything is over for me now i can't do anything my life is over but then my dad suggested there's a master's in computer applications program um why don't you apply to that it was a new program so i went for that so that's how i ended up becoming a software engineer <laughs> i hadn't planned it i wanted to go into the air force but i ended up becoming a software engineer but this job has allowed me to um, earn enough to pursue my interests right uh, student becoming a student pilot so when i came here i was working as a software engineer i got my vision corrected i got the lasik surgery done because i decided i want to fly i want to dive so i want to be free of glasses right free uh, free of um, prescription glasses so after that surgery i'm telling you it, it was in 2004 i've forgotten that i ever had uh, myopia it's it's been so nice even the doctors at nasa here say you have a perfect 2020 vision so i got lucky <laughs> Um, but then I was able to train to be a pilot and to be 
um, uh, scuba diver and participate in these activities. I've been a Boy Scouts um, leader as well, assistant scout master. Ten years now, I've doing have been doing Boy Scouts with my boys. So after while I was doing the mass, um, I mean while I was working as a software engineer, like I told you, how did I end up doing aerospace? Because this dream, this goal, never left me, mm. even though I had it had fallen behind. But while I was settling here, like I said, I was watching the space shuttles. I found out there was a NASA center. So the dream started waking up again. And that's when I decided um, with a software engineering degree, I don't think I'll be able to do much. And my interest was in um, learning about rockets and airplanes. I never got to do that, right? If I had gotten that opportunity in India, I would have done that at that time itself. So I saw an opportunity here and I decided to take it grab it yes there was resistance from my parents my husband you're already 30 you have a nice life why do you want to do this you won't be able to do justice to your family so there were some conflicts but i decided to prove to them through my actions that i will do all my duties for you and then i will focus on my goals and it's been it was a little challenging but i had to stretch myself work harder to prove to them that i mean what i say and that's how eventually i won their support so having that support system is really important if you want to do something like this um in life so that's how i finished the masters and then again um, while studying for aerospace engineering with a 3 year old and then i had my younger one by the time i finished the degree um it was challenging right you can imagine you have to i was working full time also and i had two kids um but that passion uh, was what drove me I just wanted to do it, and that's how I did the master. And then um, the third masters in space studies, human factors, that I finished uh, in December of 2019. Why I did that was I actually wanted to uh, pursue a PhD, but the program that I was pursuing, they accept only two students per year, and they they would prefer someone who is working with a professor already, and me being a full time. Um, employee here it was difficult for me to be able to work with the professor and give all of my time so i ended up doing a third masters in space studies human factors because i have this engineering background right now i want to get an idea of how um, human factors should be considered when designing space systems right when we design our spacecrafts new spacecrafts new space suits uh, when we send astronauts to the moon and mars what kind of factors do we need to consider to make sure um, that we are keeping our astronauts safe and comfortable um, for example the current space suit on the international space station it is about 250 pounds we can't use that space suit um, on the moon right um, it is it is uh, an apollo era <laughs> space suit still it's from the iss era you can say it has it was built for iss but the astronauts Uh, face a lot of challenges um astronauts who are like my height female astronauts for example for them the even the medium size space suit there are only two sizes the large and the medium um it's difficult for them to fit into that it's too big for them at times their fingers won't reach all the way so they just go ahead and train like that uh, with all that um, uncomfortable um, feeling that you have being in a space suit that might be too large for you plus i the joints are not very flexible so they get bruised astronauts get bruised on their elbows their knuckles knuckles so we need to design space suits 
um, considering all these human factors. Um, so that's the reason why I wanted to get this background as well. And so I did the third master's. So this has been how I have, and plus having flown myself in a spacesuit and having been um, a commander for two analog missions, I had that idea um, that this needs a lot of research. And that's how I decided to learn about it. Plus being at NASA here, um, it's, it's good to have that knowledge. Now it's not, like I said, it's not guaranteed that I might become an astronaut. It's very, very extremely competitive. Like last year when NASA opened up the astronaut application after four long years, 12,000 something people applied. Out of that, NASA is going to select only 14, 12 to 14 astronauts, right? <laughs> so you can imagine how crazy it is. And there are pools, like there might be people with medical background, that's a short, smaller pool. Um, but engineers is the largest pool always. 7,000 people I've heard are engineers. And in that, I'm just one. <laughs> so every person's possibility of getting picked is 0 0.00, some zeros, one person, right? It's very slim, basically. But the goal is to um, enjoy the journey while I pursue um, this this dream, this goal. So, yeah, that's that's how it has been. And then having that interest is important also. Uh, like I tell students that, yes, this is my goal. This is my dream. But it, I know that this is the toughest dream ever to achieve. A lot of astronauts say luck is a major factor and they've applied several times. And I always wish, I wish I had these opportunities 10 or 15 years before, right? Or I was born here. It would have been so much easier for me <laughs> because there are a lot of astronauts or a lot of kids who, if they have this goal, they um, they they kind of plan all their educational career towards this goal, professional and educational career. And then some of them, most of them succeed also. So yeah, becoming a test pilot, for example, um, is one way to go about it. So, but my I think whether I make it or not, even if I'm working in the human spaceflight program in the role I'm in currently, for example, that is also really fulfilling and satisfying. It has been like my backup plan and while I continue to work on um, my main goal. So always have a backup plan on and always pick up a career that you see yourself enjoying every day. It shouldn't become a drag. You should enjoy working every single day, looking forward to work. Yeah, um, that's amazing hearing about your journey and how you, uh, like how you pursued all these different educational opportunities when you had obstacles, but still towards Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just wanted to ask more specifically, um, did you, like, are there any challenges that you face specifically as a woman in STEM throughout your educational journey? And uh, yeah, and how, if so, how have you like hoped that these are overcome now? So yeah, challenges wise, it, it is always a challenge when you're a woman, I think. But things have changed quite a bit over a period of time. Like when I did my first master's in computer applications, um, my cousins asked my mom, and they were girls themselves, why do you want her to go for a study for a higher degree? At the end of the day, she has to get married and uh, stay home and raise kids, right? <laughs> so that, that hurt at that time. Um, but then I always believed in one of the proverbs. My dad had proverbs written uh, in his classrooms on the walls for students to read and remember. One of them was be silent and act. 
and at that time i really believed in that i am like i can't argue with these people or um, um explain to them they will never understand because that's how the society has been right at that time in india ours was a conservative um society today things have changed quite a bit um, but i just thought to myself i will prove through my actions to them and that is how after i did my masters even though i was married i i was able to come to the us on my own on my own h1b visa a work visa right i was able to get the visa on my own which was a big thing and um, when i came to the us no one in our family had ever come here so everyone was left in shock people who were talking behind my back they were i had silenced them through my actions coming here as a software engineer so that felt nice and i've always been really positive having that positive attitude helps you overcome right so even if you feel bad you don't lose your focus you you can vent out you can cry you can talk to someone who understands you but never lose your focus and that's what i've been doing like um um like when i did um started studying for my second masters and that time also people around me would say my friends even would say why do you want to study now why slog at this stage in life just enjoy life um but that was my passion that i wanted to do it it doesn't matter what anyone says if you are focused and you know you're not doing anything wrong you're doing everything right then um you should just pursue that and you should just uh, prove through your actions why you wanted to do that and why it is important to you and um that then then they'll be fine when i did my second masters yes everyone was quite younger than me <laughs> uh, 10 years younger than me so it was a little challenging plus i was from a very different educational background right i come from india and for a married woman with kids um, to fit into that was a little challenging but i did make some friends and we did get along well um, but yeah initially it was a bit challenging but otherwise i haven't faced any challenges my professors have been very helpful they've seen how passionate and how Uh, much into all of this i am and so they've been very supportive also so yeah st- for studies it has been fine um work wise yes being a woman in stem you do face challenges um i have been lucky i think um, my management here is very supportive as well they know of my interest in wanting to become an astronaut and all these different ideas i have so they're supportive of me yes there are always people um who will who will be a little different towards you in their behavior but to give you an example when i was selected as a commander for the hera mission here at nasa hera is human exploration and research analog we were basically locked down inside a habitat for 14 days and uh, we were simulating a mission to an asteroid so completely disconnected from the world no wifi no internet locked down in the habitat habitat crew of four and uh, simulating a mission to an asteroid called geographos in the asteroid belt in between mars and jupiter a mission control center was our only way to communicate with the world so for that mission me being selected um, as a commander did not go down well with um uh, uh another one of my possible crew who was going to be our crew mate it didn't go down well with him and his um what do you say gestures and the way he started behaving after i was announced as the commander 
um, changed really badly and he, he was an eighth grade teacher so it was shocking to see him behave like that and the people around the good thing was the people around us who were managing the project they noticed that and so he was kicked out of that right away so yeah there have been experiences like this um, when I go out when I went on another analog mission uh, the crew was slightly younger than me plus I feel coming from a different culture um, you have to adapt a little bit right uh, I, I like you guys have grown up here so you know about the culture here even though I've been working um, here for a long time it still makes um, a difference uh, I'm sure you can relate to what I'm saying your parents might um, experience the same thing writers so yeah um, it has been even more challenging but I am really happy because yes those experiences have pulled me down at times made me feel sad um, but having that positive outlook has helped me that it's okay there are people, going to be people of different natures different mindsets all um, we can do is um, be more communicative if something bothers me I have spoken to um, my colleagues or my um, crewmates on those missions. Um, open communication really helps and having a positive attitude. All, I've always tried to avoid con getting into conflicting situations because it's not worth it. At the end of the day, the mission is the focus, right? Those analog missions, getting those missions done successfully, getting the data we needed was more important. So I ignored, I had an argument with one of my crewmates as so during the missions um, but putting a positive twist to it always helps so having that positive attitude has um, helped me see if if we look at astronauts who will be going to the moon and mars those are going to be long duration missions right they're going to be away from the earth for like if they go to mars one mars mission is going to be at least three years so whoever we send they need to get along together really well they can be from different backgrounds imagine if one person is arrogant or rude or impatient that will put the entire mission in jeopardy because there will be more conflicts right so um, it is important um, to um, get along with everyone to have a very patient and understanding nature and if you look at all the astronauts they are mostly like that very down to earth very grounded that is really important sometimes i see um, when students ask me questions on my social media, they'll send me questions, how do I do this, how do I do that? If I don't really respond to them right away, they'll get really impatient and start getting rude. And I'm like, you guys need to learn. The first thing is be grounded and be patient and be persistent. Don't give up really easily. Perseverance and persistence is really important if you want to pursue a goal like this. But yes, be positive and uh, be passionate about what you want to do. And then everything else will never matter. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all that and for telling us a bit about your work at NASA. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a great transition into our next section, um, which we did want to ask you a bit more about your work life. So, um, I know you mentioned you've gone through some difficulties uh, just being a woman in STEM, but we're also really interested in some of your other intersectional identities. So for instance, do you think your identity as 
a woman of color specifically or as an immigrant or as a mother um, if or how those have impacted your experience yeah i think i whatever i said just now that kind of summarizes that entire thing um yes some people i know have experienced a lot or maybe it's my nature that i don't give those things that much of an importance so i have to think what were my what have my experiences been and then um yeah if if i think about it i have had experiences like that uh, but sometimes um, ignorance is bliss right and if you ignore then people get discouraged to do what they've been doing and um, I, I just openly communicating is um, uh, is the best option of being a woman of color like i said me getting picked as a commander didn't go down well it was i think because of that reason uh, because they expected they would be uh, picked but otherwise i'm telling you on the work front i have been fortunate i haven't had any major um, experiences like that even in the software industry um, it was a good experience even in here um, see there are more people who will always be positive and encouraging to you right um, there are very few people who will be negative and from whom you will get those kind of negative experiences so always look at that bigger group that is supportive of you that is more welcoming to you and ignore these the small group and they will never matter if you don't give them importance they will never matter so um so at, at times i feel why blame them right did i could i blame my cousins who said why should why are you educating her for a masters degree she has to stay home and raise kids so they say that because they've grown up in that kind of an environment and there are then why can i why should i blame these people who behave like that they've grown up um that kind that's how their mindset has been right um that's how they've they've evolved <laughs> um so just um ignore those kind of people and i think i at nasa it's it's more welcoming nasa is more open to having people from different backgrounds i'm seeing a lot more um people from asian backgrounds um, asian indian and um, all other asian backgrounds at nasa coming in for internships and all so it's it's a very mixed group if you looked at the uh, perseverance landing also the rover that landed on mars mm-hmm. right um, the landing was led by um a sign an engineer who is of uh, indian origin the program manager of that is um from asian i, I don't know if her background is what country she is from but she she was an she is an asian so you see people from different backgrounds are involved in all of nasa's pro- projects and programs so we're becoming really good and at work there there is more um efforts taken to have awareness about um, all of these kind of issues cultural um, differences how we should overcome them and there are groups within the organization that you can be a part of if some incident happens somewhere for example what happened last year with the black lives matters um we get an email internally from our um administrator nasa administrator about how this nasa does not support this and how we are all towards um supporting 
all cultures, people from all backgrounds. So that is a good thing. Even when I was at NASA Ames, actually, in Mountain View, um, there was a cultural diversity event. I remembered this you know, when talking to you guys. Um, and that cultural diversity event, I set up a booth representing India because that's where I'm from. Um, so all sorts of cultural items on display uh, in the booth. And people really loved it. They were really welcoming to that concept. They loved the colors, all the information they got to um, know about India. So I, it was such a big success that they asked me to set that up for the next two, three years I was there. So th this is the kind of environment we have here. So that, that, that is really good. And that's how it should be everywhere, right? Things are changing. And I'm sure by the time you guys are in the professional world, things will have improved far more. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I think another question we had, this is going back to your experience a little bit, is I know a challenge that many women seem to face is like self-doubt or imposter syndrome. Does this sound like mm -hmm. something you've experienced um, or observed uh, with others during your career? Uh, so, let's see, self-doubt meaning I start questioning myself, right? That's what I understand from that. Uh, let me tell you, until now, I've never had self-doubt. Uh, even That's people true. ask me, what would you change about um, your when you uh, about your life when you were a little girl? Nothing, because yes, I might not have had huge successes. I might not be where I want to be today. Um, but I know what hardships I've come through, right? And I've overcome all of those, and I'm here today. Um, so I've never had any self-doubt until. Um, very recently and that is because of my, my goal to become an astronaut although I have been very very positive always uh, but now because every opportunity counts I'm not getting any younger <laughs> I, I don't want age to become a factor where I couldn't I got picked but I made it that far but because I was older and there were more younger people with similar qualifications I lost that opportunity so um, it's at just once I have felt that when I think, um, I, when I found out that I think I might not have made it to the highly qualified group in the astronaut selection process from last year. So the process takes longer and because of COVID, it's going to take another year now um, for NASA to select the final group of astronauts. But there are a lot of steps in the selection process. The first step is they narrow down from 12,500 to about 400 that's the highly qualified group so we are a group of astronaut hopefuls and if you your references have been contacted that means you've made it into the highly qualified my references never got contacted and so i'm like why what's missing i've done so much in the past few years um so that's when that day that day was the only day when i'm like mm -hmm. am i am i just doing all this in vain am i what if i never succeed um, then what am I going to do? My life will be will it be a failure? Then I told myself, see, when you started at the age of 30 with the second master's in aerospace engineering, at that time, what had you decided? That no matter whether you reach that goal or not, you're going to enjoy this journey. And you've been doing that. And you've been inspiring a lot of kids everywhere. So that is the uh, main uh, achievement that you will have from your life, whether you meet that goal or not, right? So why are you looking at the destination? Just enjoy the journey. And then again, after a couple of hours of 
uh, venting out through tears, <laughs> I was back to being my positive self. So that was one moment where I had self-doubt. Because you work hard at this goal and it feels like it's get, it's you're never reaching it. It's getting further and further away from you, right? Um, so what do I do? Should I give up? No, I can't give up. That's my nature. So what? at that time I decided, um, okay, what else can I do? So that next time when NASA uh, asks for the applications, I will have more qualifications, more skills, so I at least make it into the highly qualified. So immediately in a couple of hours, I was back to figuring out what else should I do, what else should I do. Now I'm going to do a PhD in systems engineering this fall. I'm applying to um, a university for that. I'm trying to finish my pilot's license. It has been a very challenging journey, a lot of hardships. I should have given it up already, according to a lot of people around me. (laughs) Why are you doing this so far? But I love flying and I want to start flying more. Um, So I'm going to resume that. I'm going to get advanced scuba certification. So I have a bunch of things on my list I want to do. So the thing is, there is no guarantee of reaching a goal, but doesn't mean you stop or you start doubting yourself. You just keep doing things you enjoy to, and that will help you grow towards that goal, right? And who knows, maybe the commercial space flights are starting now. Private companies are coming up. So I might even get a chance, even though I'm old. (laughs) So let's see, fingers crossed, keep doing my part and let's see where that leads me. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. Your positive energy is just really amazing and inspiring. Um, And yeah, speaking of um, like enjoying the journey, we know that aside from you having like a very prolific career um, and like personal initiatives, We know that you're also super active in the community through like TED Talks and other educational opportunities and engagement with the youth. So we were wondering if you could talk a bit about that as well as what motivates you um, in like the community outside of your work. Sure, yeah. So um, see, when I was in the software industry, at that time there was... um, no opportunity to speak or to talk to um, the younger generation. But when I came to NASA and started working on the Kepler mission, I learned about NASA Speakers Bureau, NASA Ames Speakers Bureau. So I always loved working with kids. I would I taught them also, right, when I was teaching in my dad's coaching classes. Um, so that I was uh, really interested. I jumped at that opportunity. I signed up as a speaker a voluntary thing again. And I started doing talks about the Kepler mission, what Kepler is. And I had a little already, already is like a model uh, of the sun and the stars uh, and the sun and the planets. And using that, I would do a demonstration of how Kepler worked. So that drew a lot of interest. And then people started asking me more about how I got here. How did I come to work on the Kepler mission? And And then I did the Hera mission. And then people started asking me questions about that. Some people in India even published that I went to Mars. I'm like, no, stop, (laughs) don't publish false news. (laughs) They want to spice up things, right? And despite despite me giving them all the technical details correctly, they will just publish anything. So I saw that interest when I went to India uh, in 2014. I did my talk about uh, Kepler. Um, RV alone, the name of my slides is RV alone, and I talk about what Kepler is and how we've been finding habitable zone planets. 
So that drew a lot of interest. I spoke at my um, university where I did my first master's degree and at my school where I studied. And um, it was published in the newspapers and people started really um, con contacting me. They were really excited about a girl from a small town in India reaching NASA and working at NASA. So that's how they started publishing these articles. That's when I realized there is interest in my journey as well, not only in the Kepler mission. There is more interest in my journey than the work I do. So I started sharing about myself. Um, my life story and um, because then I thought see I did not get the guidance right growing up if I had the guidance maybe I would be an astronaut by now who knows um, but then I want to give that guidance to the younger generation uh, who did not, do not have access to all these resources and that's how I started um, doing more talks um, more and more talks and being involved in the community uh, like I said I Grew up in school, I was a part of a group of um, singers. We had a group of singers, all really good singers. So um, we would sing not only patriotic songs, but also um, Christmas carols. It was a convent school, right? So we celebrated Christmas. We learned about Christianity, even though we were Hindus. <laughs> so that was a good thing about our um, community at that time. Um, no matter what religious background, we would celebrate everything. So I know a lot of Christmas carols also, right? I remember them to date whenever I hear them in Christmas. So that's how I was in school. In college also, I continued that, being a part of um, singing, dancing, cultural activities, basically. So when I came here, at, when I was working at Oracle, uh, the software company, right? Pleasanton, they have a big office there. And in Redwood, they have their headquarters. We would have Diwali celebrations uh, on a big scale. And a lot of my non-Indian uh, colleagues, the ladies, I would put a group together of Indian and non-Indian um, colleagues from different backgrounds. And they would really have fun um, performing with me. I would choreograph the dances, put together medleys, regional medleys from India to reflect that region's unique cultural identity. And I would give them costumes to dress up in. So they would be so excited and happy. They would say, Anima, you turned us ducks into graceful swans. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun for several years, almost five, seven years. And then we lived in the Windermere community in San Ramon, right? So even there, we would celebrate um, the India's Independence Day on a large scale. So for 13 years, I um, initially I taught kids songs from India and then I would choreograph all these 13 years, choreograph dances for moms, a group of moms and for kids, uh, two different dances. So I, I love doing that because it started with I wanting to teach this to my boys so that they are familiar with their culture, right? And that's then I started sharing it with the community. So it, it's, it was really fun. I, I feel really content. Uh, when I do something like this, because I feel no matter what culture we are from, right? Our cultures are the ones that keep us grounded, tied together, right? Um, that respect, even my professors here, I see students are really different. <laughs> uh, but he, we, in India, we would call our um, professors, sir and ma'am. Um, now I, in Texas, I see that actually they do that here. In California, I never saw them calling um, their teachers, sir or ma'am. <laughs> and so that, that, that kind of respect comes from the cultural backgrounds we are from. And I think it's very important to 
keep that cultural identity intact. I don't know how my boys, if they will do it. I've taught them everything I could, but I don't know if they'll do it. <laughs> but I'm doing my part of uh, keeping the India alive here, as is, I'm, I'm sure everyone does with their cultures. And we are fortunate to be in this country where we get an opportunity to do that, right? We get to um, bring the American culture and the Indian, our original cultures where we are from together. So that's that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think one final question that we had is just, do you have any final words of advice or encouragement that you would like to give girls and young women dipping their toes into any field of STEM or maybe any opportunities that you know of or ways that they can pursue this interest? Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I would, I always tell girls, dream big. Um, there is nothing that you cannot do today, right? Uh, and the thing is, the culture here is so um, supportive. Parents here are so supportive of girls wanting to pursue any career, which is a really good thing. I was fortunate. My parents encouraged me. Um, they gave me a good education, a strong background, a foundation that is really important. So girls, don't doubt yourself. Can I do this? Yes, STEM is challenging, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have the passion and the interest, you should go for it um, and pick a field that you really, um, like I said, feel excited about, that you see yourself working in and being happy every single day. Um, so make that choice um, at that time when you're starting your educational career in the college career, basically. Um, and yeah, dream big, but be patient be willing to work hard. Just dreaming big and being lazy doesn't help. <laughs> you have to be willing to work hard. Look at me how hard I've been working. I call myself a lifelong student. <laughs> I'm going to start studying again, right? So yeah, be willing to keep developing yourself, okay? And stay focused. There are so many distractions at your age, right? You, are, you guys are young. You'll have a lot of distractions. Um, there will be boys for girls, girls for boys as distractions. There will be um, drugs, drinks. Don't get into all of that because it really disturbs your life. Look at me. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't think it's worth putting anything in my body that's not going to be useful for my body, right? Um, drinks I don't find are useful for my body. So all I drink is water and maybe milk and tea, that's all. <laughs> so um, maintain these good habits because they're really important for your body as well, right? To live longer, to live stronger, and for a goal like um, becoming an astronaut, not only for that, just in general, for your fitness, physical fitness, um, it's it's really good in the long term. And smoking, you all are aware of how, how harmful it is uh, for our body. So don't get into bad habits, that's what I'm trying to say here. At this young age, if you have that focus, nothing should be able to distract you. Don't lose that focus um, because at the end of the day, when you reach a stage like I am at right now, it's very fulfilling when you see that you have maintained your focus, you have been persistent towards your goals. Um, even though you had dream, big dreams, you were able to um, find out your way no matter what hardships or struggles you had. And um, try to look for mentors if you have an area of interest. See, today you have a lot of resources available, right? So just see who are the people that are experts in those fields. Just do a Google search. Um, just ask your parents 
and try to find a mentor and see if they can guide you, provide you guidance in um, what field you want to pursue. So yeah, and uh, don't let anyone tell you that you cannot do this. Are you kidding me? This is not for girls. No, don't let anyone tell you. I have jumped from 15,000 foot uh, feet, sorry. I've jumped from 15,000 feet from an airplane skydiving on my one of my birthdays. Um, so if I can do that, you can do that. I have, okay, I never grew up being a swimmer, right? And swimming was not a thing at that time in India. So when I came here and I said, if I want to become an astronaut, I would like to have the uh, scuba diving skill. It's not something must to have, but it's a good thing to have. But I was not a swimmer. Um, so I trained to be a swimmer, but I was always scared of going beyond the five feet of the in the pool. It was a scary feeling. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, so um, that was when I went for my first scuba lesson. That was when I discovered a fear in life. Until then, I had no fear in life. Uh, even when I skydived, I enjoyed it. No fear. When they took me to the 12 foot feet end of the pool, that was the most scariest feeling, even though I had a tank of air on my back. I was like, I'm going to drive, drown. This regulator is going to come up. <laughs> I was imagining all these things and I was struggling a lot on the first day. I bruised myself really badly. My elbow had a big bruise and I was like shivering and shaking. Plus the instructor was not very friendly. He just dragged me into the deep end. I'm like, um, they fired him after that. The instructors are not supposed to do that to the students. But when I came home, I told myself, I calmed myself down, what's wrong with you? You have done so many things. Why can't you do this? And then I told myself, it's okay. It's fear. It's in the head. It's not real. It's just in your head. You have to overcome it. What if you become an astronaut and you have to go out for a spacewalk? You are going to be in this kind of an environment, a closed space suit. You will have to breathe in that environment. So um, are you going to give up if you can't do it? No. So I told myself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to overcome my fear. Next day, I went back. I had a better trainer. She was really nice and patient with me. And um, I completed my lessons successfully. No stress, no fear, nothing. I had overcome my fear. And girls, I'm telling you, that is the most satisfying feeling. So challenge yourself. Overcome your fears. When you overcome your fears, you feel like you've accomplished something really big in life. So yeah, don't be scared of anything. Don't let anyone tell you that you cannot do something. Um, if I can do it, then you definitely can. And yes, to pursue opportunities for all students, if you want to come work for NASA, we have, um, or even intern at NASA. And NASA has a lot of internships throughout the year, summer, fall, spring. So just go to intern.nasa.gov and look for opportunities, internship opportunities there, okay? And yeah, um, if you're looking for jobs, just go to usajobs.gov and look for opportunities there for um, working at NASA. Thank you for sharing all of that advice. Um, that is about all we have today. And thank you once again for sharing your time and your just really amazing life story and experiences. You're most welcome. It was a pleasure. And thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Bye. Yeah, thank you for having Bye. us. Bye. Have a good one, you guys. Bye.